Football Americas. As you can see, no Sebi Salazar. He's actually at the Little League World Series. The irony that Sebi is doing Little League. <laughs> Read what you will into that. Uh, no Sebi Salazar. We do have Joe Scali, a great interview with him. Efrain Alvarez, the man of the moment for the Galaxy, U.S. Men's National Team, Mexico, all that drama. And the DP today in place of Sebastián Salazar, Mauricio Pedrosa. How you doing, Mal? Do you consider me a designated player for Football Americas? Absolutely. I do not have a designated player salary <laughs> we'll Football Americas. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. By the way, loving the music. Is that a new music for Football Americas? I, could be. Could yeah. be. Uh, remember to check out the podcast, Football Americas podcast. Uh, it drops right after the show, right? Oh, tomorrow. It drops tomorrow. Okay, so check it out. Uh, yes, there's much to, to talk about, Herc. Uh, the interview with Efrain Alvarez, really looking forward to it. But let's start with Brandon Aronson. He scored a late goal for RB Salzburg playing UEFA Champions League qualifiers. First leg, his team won 2-1. to one, But Brandon Aronson now is uh, getting us used to watching him score crucial goals for his team. Yeah, forget about the crucial goals. Just crucial moments, right? Yeah. Look, he only played in 31 games last year, Pier 31 games, but he had 15 goal interventions. That's eight assists, I'm sorry, eight goals and seven assists. He just makes things happen. I feel like every time I'm watching Brendan Aronson play, I'm expecting him to do something like this. He's got the air for the arrogance, air for the dramatic, air for the moment. 45 minutes in that qualifying uh, Champions League game, and he had an assist and the game winner. Last week or so about there, eight days ago, versus Barcelona, what happens? 90th minute winner against Barcelona in Camp Nou. Uh, so it, it's, it just feels like he's made for this type of moment. So I'm used to it. Now, are you okay that he's made for this kind of moments or is it time for us to ask Brendan to become a regular starter, not only coming off the bench? He's coming off the bench and being productive. You want to see that, but at the same time, you want to take the next step and become a regular starter for his team. Second leg coming up next Wednesday, still very close against Brondby. Do you believe he's already there where he should be the starter for his team? Well, he's 20 years old. And the problem when you start scoring goals off the bench is you can be typecast into that role. Uh, but if you look at Brendan Aronson, his trajectory, and the way that Salzburg churns out players and they're going to give players an opportunity to platform or a platform to showcase themselves and go off to bigger and better, the question for me isn't club. The question for me now is national team. Yeah. Like, he could legitimately be fighting for a position on the national team starting 11. He's going to fight with Gio Reyna is, is the, the, the big problem here, obstacle. But is it really an obstacle? I mean, Yunus Musa isn't really playing uh, right now with still a lot of maybe fitness concerns over Tyler Adams and when he comes back, will it be on the field or not? So the most logical thing for me is if Gio Reyna is being productive in a center position at Dortmund, pull him in a center position if you're Greg Berhalter and put in a player like Brandon Arison, who by the way, has only played seven games with the US men's national team and he's got three goals, three assists. By my math, that's a goal or an assist every 70 minutes he's on the field. That is insane productivity out of a player who's 20 years of age. It's going to be very difficult for Greg Berhalter to keep a player like that being productive out of the starting 11. That's exactly what you call having an impact, immediate impact on a team. Now, put yourself in Greg Berhalter's shoes right now. Uh, the World Cup qualifiers are around the corner. He's going to be able to call up up to 25 players because there are three games in this international break. So if you're Bre Greg Berhalter right now and you have you pick to pick your starting 11 for the first game, 
Does Brendan Aronson has a spot in that starting 11? I think it all depends on who's available in that midfield. If Tyler Adams is available, if Weston McKinney's available. Let's say everyone's available. He's on the outside looking in at this moment. Okay. But you just mentioned, now you're playing, before it was a FIFA window, you'd go to your national team and you would play two games. Yep. Now it's three games. And the travel is extensive in what is CONCACAF. So it's one of these situations where sooner rather than later, he's going to be counted on. And he's the type of player just makes things happen. Say what you want about... Six of those games being friendlies for the U.S. men's national team. And the one official game he did play in the UEFA, or I'm sorry, the uh, uh, Nations League um, final in that tournament, he had an assist. He's just always producing. He's got that air about him. So it's going to be very difficult for Greg Berhalter to keep him out. Forget the 11. I mean, just out of actually being a participant, he's going to be there. Yeah, it's a good problem to have if you're Greg Berhalter. You want to have more problems like this. Uh, let's move on and let's, let's speak about the German Super Cup. Uh, fantastic game by Alfonso Davis. An amazing assist. Gio Reyna also started for Borussia Dortmund. And I have to say, Herc, I'm very happy to see Davis recovered after his injury. Uh, again, great game. Fantastic assist. How do you evaluate what you saw from him now under this new manager? It looks like it fits the style of play for uh, Alfonso Davis. Yeah, let me just say it was uh, pretty cool to see Alfonso Davies and Gio Reyna going at it on the same side. There was even a tackle that Giovanni Reyna had on Alfonso Davies that I was just like, I can't wait to see this rivalry continue to grow. And I'm not just talking about Dortmund versus Bayern. I'm talking about U.S. Men's National versus Canada. Canada's got a lot of exciting elements coming through that program. But when you talk about Alfonso Davies, uh, take a look at the panorama right now in CONCACAF because he was in the conversation for best player in CONCACAF. Well, right now, Raul Jimenez is still on the men. He's coming back. Keylor Navas, when Gianluigi Donnarumma comes around, maybe he won't be the starting player. Christian Pulisic, maybe he won't even be starting for Chelsea. So you have to ask yourself, this is make or break time right now for him really establish himself as the premier player in CONCACAF. Big, big season coming ahead for Alfonso Davies. So that was going to be my next question for you. And also regarding Gio Reyna, because we all know what he's capable of. He's still very young, but he's now a regular starter for Borussia Dortmund, also with a new manager. How much of a, of a big step does he have to take this season? Well... Not that big of a step where, because of the bar he's already had. He's already a good player with Dortmund. He's got, now got that number seven jersey. There's going to be more pressure on him. But it's got to be the big step with the U.S. men's national hmm. team. Be that player. He's already scored some very uh, timely goals for the U.S. men's national team. He's proven to be a very good player. But the bar is set not because of where he's at right now, but because of his father. And let's be honest. He's carrying that Reina name. That's... that's that's royalty in U.S. men's national team history right there. He's one of the best players to ever wear that jersey. So Laz is expected of him. Forget Dortmund for a second, U.S. men's national team. At his very young age, he's going to be asked to produce. He's going to be asked to lead. This is a very young group, so it's no more hiding behind your age. And I think he's up for that challenge. Yeah, also Alfonso Davis has to be important for Canada, who made it to the octagonal for the World Cup qualifiers. Speaking of... American players, U.S. players playing in Germany. 18-year-old Joe Scali made his debut for Borussia Mönchengladbach against FC Bayern. That's never easy, and he had himself a game. Our very own Sebastian Salazar spoke with him. Joe, thanks for joining us here on Football Americas. How's it going over there in Germany? What's up? How are you? Yeah, everything's good. Just finished first training, getting ready for the second one. All right, so uh, take us back to the weekend. Actually, take us back to before the weekend, because that's when you played Bayern Munich. When did you find out you were going to be starting against Bayern? Yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, last week was crazy. I mean, if I was to tell you everything, we'd be here for a couple hours. So 
But uh, I think after the cup game, when I had a really good cup game, and uh, you know I was I was there, and our other left back was injured, I I knew, and that whole week I was just preparing, you know, watching old YouTube clips of the players I'd be going against, and yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> What's that week like? I mean, aside from watching the YouTube clips and the kind of on-field preparation, what about off-field? What are you telling yourself? What are other people telling you? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was nerve. I was nervous in the beginning to think, you know, I'm going against uh, Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry, Lewandowski, all these great players. But then to think, like, wow, this could be a game that that can maybe make my career, that could do everything for me. So all that was going through my head. And then just the night before the game, I was with my family. You know, my head wasn't. You know, only focused on the game. You know, we watched a movie, did all this to basically relax me, calm me down. So that was nice and it helped. All right, so you get to match day. What are the emotions when you wake up and you know, okay, I'm going to make my first Bundesliga start against the, what, nine-time defending champs? Yeah, like it, it, was, uh, it was a dream come true. It's crazy to think that I'm going against nine-time champs. Bayern Munich won the Champions League two years ago, won everything two years ago. And... Uh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it was something that I've dreamed of. All my friends were texting me the whole day, everything. It was crazy. And to go out and do what I did, it was it's amazing. Yeah, so I'm curious because I always know that you guys, like the phones blow up when something goes well. So what's the reaction when you get back to your phone in the dressing room? Yeah, I go back to my phone and you, you could just keep scrolling. You know, it was great. You could just sit there and keep going. So I didn't look at it right away. I waited until I got back just to, because our team was so happy. It was our first game. We got the draw. Should have got the win, uh, so you know we all just celebrated and it was nice. I think there was a challenge early in the game between you and Lewandowski. Maybe he steps on your foot a little bit. There's another one-on-one -on -one with Sané that stands out. Was there a moment in that game where you were like, okay, I'm in the Bundesliga. This is, this is for real now. Yeah, I think uh, after Lewandowski, I got the ball and he stepped on my foot. The whole stadium started chanting my name. So that was, that was great. So yeah, I got into it after that, and it was, after that it was just, you know, it was crazy. It was great. All right, now you know i got to ask, what does the Joe Scally chant sound like from Gladbach fans? I mean, it's better if you'd hear from them, but they just, they just kept chanting, like, Joe Scally, the whole, the whole time, like for a minute long. It was great. So let's, let's go back to kind of like the, the beginnings of your career because I'm super curious how a kid from the New York City Academy ends up at Gladbach. What's that process, that decision like? And I, I mean, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a long process, but kind of distill it down for us. How did how'd you make that jump? Yeah, they came to me at a very early age. And I know there are a couple Americans here before. There was Fabian Johnson on the team at the time they came to me. So I knew it was a, it was a good place for Americans. They were a very family-loving club. And... To know that they came at me at such a young age, they had trust in me, so I knew it was the right place to go. I'm sure you probably had some opportunities both elsewhere in Europe, but also in MLS. Why specifically the choice to, to go to Europe? You know, we see so many young Americans doing that right now. Yeah, I think growing up, everyone watches the top five leagues, and everyone wants to play there, to play in the best competitive soccer league. So it was always a dream of mine to come to Europe, whether it be Germany, England, somewhere. But when I found here, I knew it was the right place to to start my European career. Is it tough being away from home? Is it tough as a teenager to be like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go chase this dream, which is awesome and you're doing it, but, but it can't be easy to kind of leave the entire life that you've known in New York and then just, just head overseas. Yeah, it is definitely, it's definitely hard. The first month I leave, it's always hard, but after that you get used to it. 
I love when practices are later the next day because then I could stay up till like one, two in the morning talking to my family and everyone. So that is nice. But yeah, it's definitely hard. It just takes some time to getting used to. And I have a friend close by, Gio Reyna, so we try and see each other once a week, which is which is good because you know we both need each other. So it's good. Yeah, I'm super interested in kind of your past with Gio. I was looking up in your Wikipedia and I'm doing the math and I'm like, all right, these kids are both born in 02, which is just really, really young, first of all. Um, but you were at the New York City Academy together. So I'm assuming for three, four years, you guys must have been, if not on the same team all the time, for most of the time. How good was that? How good was that team? I've known Gio since I was about 10 or 11. So we've been like best friends for the past eight years. And uh yeah, our team was, was really good. We won the, uh, the DA National Championship one year against LA Galaxy. We basically won everything. We won the GA Cup, our team. We had a really good team with James Sands, who's on New York City now. Andreas Yasson, who's another really good player. Justin Hack, we had all these great guys. So our team was, I think, one of the best MLS, te- MLS youth teams. Why do you think that you and Gio kind of get along so well? It's obviously working, you know, it's worked on the field in the past, but off the field, you guys clearly seem to have a bond too. Yeah, I mean, when we're off the field, me and him, we both have connections. We both play basketball, also with soccer. Uh, and we just try, when we're off the field, to stay away from the sport, to get our heads off that. So when we're away at national team camps, we'd play, like, Mario Kart stuff in the room, Fortnite, just different things. You know, we're not always soccer, 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 which some people are. So that kind of helped us bond because we had connections and other things also. How important is that to have other stuff? Yeah, I think if you're thinking about the sport all 24-7, you might go a little crazy. So to have different hobbies and think about other stuff, it helps a lot. Okay, uh, so one-on-one basketball, you versus Gio, who's winning that? Yeah, I think I got him. I think we played a couple times and I beat him. So he might not like to hear that, but I think I beat him. And the more important question really is who's better at Mario Kart? Oh, that's me too. So I have him in both. <laughs> Do you guys ever talk about national team? I mean, you see him, you know, playing at that level. Obviously, I'm sure it's kind of next on your to-do list. Have you guys ever talked about, hey, somewhere down the road, you know, maybe I'm the left back, you're the left winger, we're combining for, for the senior team? Yeah, that would be great. I mean, he's doing a great job there now, scoring goals when it comes, which is great to see. I love to see that uh, from him. He's doing great. And, uh, yeah, we played together on the right side on the U17 team, and we've always said we want to play together together again some point in our career so with the national team and to do something with them be no no better than doing that you know you're starting in the bundesliga you got to start under your belt against Bayern munich you know everybody's watching including greg berhalter the senior national team manager do you think about the senior team and and kind of when you might be able to break into that yeah of course uh, it's always another dream of mine to play for the national team play in a world cup and whatever happens happens you know i'm focused right now on on uh, gladbach and what we do so if I get called with the national team, it's just another bonus. Joe Scali, thanks for the time. Great debut in the Bundesliga, and we hope to hear from you yeah. soon here on Football Americas, man. Thanks. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. And what a likable guy. And Joe Scali was also great, by the way. <laughs> uh, some fantastic- now I know you're lying. <laughs> some fantastic numbers against FC Bayern München. He had to go against uh, Leroy Sané most of the game, and yeah. he pretty much... Uh, kept him quiet, right? Yeah, super, yeah. super quiet. So, uh, said he was asking him about the U.S. men's national team. Right back, it's actually a, a very competitive spot yes. right now. Where do you see him in that, in that roster? Does he have a place? In the depth chart. Let me start off by a great, great interview by Sebastian great. Salazar with uh, Joe Scali. What an impressive, yep. impressive young man. Uh, very much recommend you keep an eye on Joe Scali. But when it comes to the landscape, 
with the right back situation right now, if I had to create a depth chart, a top five, Joe Scali's on the outside looking in. Hmm. And it's because who's in front of him? The, the little time he actually has right now with top flight football. He only played 70 minutes in Major League Soccer. He just came over here. His first taste of top flight football. One very good game and at left back. But this is my top five depth chart. Serginho Dest, it's very simple. It goes Serginho Dest and everybody yeah. else. <laughs> Not when it just comes to talking about the right back position, but the left back position. By the way, Serginho Dest has played more games as a left back for Greg Berhalter than a right back. But it really is that much difference in the gap in the talent level because of his ability on the ball, because of his ability going forward in the final third, because of how Greg Berhalter wants to play. But number two, Reggie Cannon. There is no right back under Greg Berhalter who has played more games for Greg Berhalter. It's Reggie Cannon. He may not be as refined with the ball at his feet as Serginho Destis. He's very reliable, very confident going forward, honest worker coming back. You know what you're going to get out of him. Very simple. Number three, DeAndre Yedlin. He's 28 years old. Don't discount a guy with over 60 caps for the U.S. Men's National Team that's played in Copa America's Gold Cups and a World Cup, by the way, who still plays at a very, very good level in Turkey. Uh, European pedigree. You know he played in the Premier League. You know this man's got some uh, actual uh, pedigree right there when it comes to European chops. Do not discount him. And at number four is going to surprise a lot of people, but at 20 years of age, Julian Araujo. Julian Araujo undecided right now between I was Mexico say, yeah. and the United States Men's National yeah. Team. He has grown on me so much. It's from, when I, from when I first saw Julian Araujo play as a right back. He was just very much vertical, mm -hmm. vertical under Guillermo Barros Escoloto. Now that I get to see him up close here in Los Angeles, his confidence level is an all-time high. He steps on the ball. He's dragging it across defenders. He's taking players on. He's very, much more smarter. He's, I was going to say, he was becoming a smarter player, both offensive and defensive smart player. You can see the growth in him. He's in my number four. Number five, Shaq Moore. And Shaq Moore has grown on a lot of us because of what we saw in the Gold Cup. He struggled a lot in Gold Cup in the knockout rounds against better competition. The whole backline struggle yes. for the U.S. Men's National Team. Very good point. But but overall, I think it was positive for him. So he gets my number five. And then on the outside looking in, Brian Reynolds and Joe Scali. Uh, Brian Reynolds, who's, I mean, very little first-team participation. FC Dallas, I think he played 15, 16 games, sold to Roma, uh, not really participating much in Roma. And Joe Scali, very, very good player in one game. Um, yeah, but that's exactly what you want to see. Yes. In your first game at that level, playing for Borussia Mönchengladbach, you're going to be able to watch him again on ABC. Bayer Leverkusen host Borussia Mönchengladbach Saturday starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific time on, e on ABC, ESPN Plus, and of course as well on ESPN Deportes. History made at the Women's International Champions Cup. 15-year-old Olivia Moldry. She had also an amazing game. She had an assist, but also scored her first professional goal. Her, you remember she wanted to become a professional player at age 13. There were some issues with that. She scored this goal, and then again on the penalty shootout, Portland beat the Houston Dash in that game. Uh, let me tell you what I was doing at 15 years of age. Please do I was tell. working at Ross Dress for Less. I certainly wasn't putting on a show in a packed house in Portland in a very important game like the ICC, in a very important shootout where she clearly shows she is way beyond her years. She's poised. Calm, poised, collected. Look at that. Puts it in the back of the net. Goal, assist, penalty kick made. We're going on to the final. 15 years of age, Olivia Moultrie. I don't know what to say. I don't have the words. Uh, last week we were 
Speaking of how the U.S. women's national team needed younger faces, well, there you go. And you get to see here again playing the final against Lyon, one of the best teams in the world. Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on ESPN2. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, it's time for Major League Soccer. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And the good has to be Raul Ruiz Diaz. Can we give him right now the MVP of the season, Herc? 25 seconds coming off the bench and scoring the winner against Dallas. Well, it's either going to come out of Seattle or New England. That much is for sure. Uh, 13th goal of the season, league leading 13th. And it's this ridiculous finish. Crossbar post and in. But Raul Ruiz Diaz has us accustomed to this. This is what he does. Yeah. It's not that just that he scores goals, the type of goals and what they mean. They win games, they earn points. There is nobody in this league like Raul Ruiz Diaz. Uh, Seattle Sounders won the game and it was the manager's birthday, so they were gonna sing happy birthday, right? Comfortable with Brian Schmetzer, that's the best. And yeah, uh, the bad. Cecilio Dominguez, benched, called out by his manager. He was benched after the 26th minute. He's had bad performances lately. Only one goal, two assists in the past 10 games for Austin FC. Uh, yeah, okay, that's bad. But have you seen Austin FC? They're bad at scoring goals. 13 goals total, dead last in the West. Josh Wolf, former teammate of mine, very smart individual, uh, but he had some choice words. Uh, let's take a look at the quote by the manager. Cecilia was physically struggling to keep pace with the match. It was affecting our ability to play. You don't want to see that from your DP, right? He makes a lot of money Whoa. and he's not performing at a bad level. I don't want to see that from my coach. Oh, you, so you didn't like the calling out I of the game? I love Josh Wolf. I think Josh Wolf is a quality, was being quality coach, quality person, but you don't air out dirty laundry like that. Now, when you take a player out in the first half, it could be tactical, but this isn't tactical. This is sending a clear-cut message. Hey, you get with the program or you get out. Cecilio Dominguez is one of your designated players. Cecilio Dominguez has scored four goals, two assists for you this year playing out of position. It's not his fault he's not a nine. It's not his fault that it's a dumpster fire going forward. It is his fault if he's not putting in the effort. And it's Josh Wolf's responsibility to send a message, and I'm okay with that. 
but you don't send it through the press. How do you send it then? Sometimes, when things are not working, and you know this being a professional player, I don't know if it happened to you during your time. If the message doesn't get to the players through the right channels, then you have to go to the media just to try to create a no. reaction you, from you, your players. You, you never go to the media. He, he sent the message, he took him out. He took him out before the 30th minute. That's message sent right there. And if you needed to clarify said message, you pull him aside after the game. Or when, let's face it, let Cooler's head prevail, next day at training. Yeah. The very next day of training, you're bringing them into the office, you have a meeting with them, you say, this isn't acceptable. You're a leader on this team, you're a designated player, I need you to act like it. And then if messages doesn't get sent, well guess what? Um, this is not the first time, by the way, that Cecilio Dominguez is being called out by one of his managers. It, it happened to him when he was playing for Club America, and it also happened to him when he was playing in Argentina with Independiente. So now it was, Josh Wolf said, physically. I don't know if effort was really the word that he was looking for. Um, let's move on to the ugly. We all heard and read the columns about why Gabby Hainsey was let go from Atlanta United. Players will be compensated. Remember, Herc, uh, they filed a grievance against uh, some actions from the, man from the manager, former manager, and Major League saying, he's saying, yes, that yeah. happened. They uh, need to um, be compensated. Um, um, those grievances filed was he wouldn't allow them to drink water. They were trained on days they weren't supposed to. They have a CBA in place to make sure things like this don't happen. And what happened? Well, it did happen. So, in favor of the players, uh, it was resolved, and they will actually now be compensated. Yeah. So, wait, you're telling me they got rid of Gabriel Heinze like they wanted. You're telling me they now get extra days off because they're owed, and they will be paid for the days they had to work? And now they're on a three-game winning streak without Gabriel Jaime. And they got Gonzalo Pineda as a new manager. They're back. Atlanta's <laughs> back. Atlanta is back. I want to say this. I hope this piece of news resonates around the world. You know I come from Mexican soccer background, yes. right? This would have never, ever happened in leagues the like the Mexican League. Yeah, that's yes. the exact same reason why... You need a players association. Yes. Because what Gabby Hainsey was doing was, it was wrong, and it was going against the collective bargain agreement. So I'm very happy to see that this happened because this is the exact reason why you protect players. And players were not only protected, now they're also going to be compensated. Do you ever envision something like this happening in other leagues around the world? I almost filed a grievance against you. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, soccer. That's, that's, uh, Major League Soccer is not going to rule in your favor, my friend. That's not, that's not going to happen. Uh, in case you missed it, speaking of being back, Rodolfo Pizarro is back, baby. He scored. Look at the minute, 93rd minute. And Pizarro, yes, sir. The game winner in stoppage time. The smile is back. Rodolfo Pizarro finally found the net. And the Joker with the good finish. This is the first goal since October of last year for Pizarro. He's got five goals now in his career with Inter Miami. It started off good, but why not this season? Only nine games started. Something's got to change. And only two assists. Yes, he had some injuries. He's back. There were rumors that he didn't have the best relationship with his manager. But before that, uh, Gonzalo Higuain pulled a Gonzalo Higuain. And look at the reaction from David Beckham. You don't want to miss it. Oh my God, look at the replay. Good control, Herc. Bad finish. 
Not only bad finish, oh, Neville no. was not pleased. Neville doesn't like it. Oh, no. Oh, David. Oh, David. No, 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 no. What, what did he say? I cannot read lips. I'm sorry. I have no idea what he said. But I think I think we'll I think we'll we'll we get it. what he said. Yeah. Uh, you got concacapped. Oh man, Julian Araujo. We just spoke about him. He's pulling a Matt Miazga against five foot five Brian Galvan. Um, are you okay with that? Julian Araujo is only five nine. <laughs> He's not a giant, but he was. He was giving the Matniazga to no, Brian Galvan. You know when this happened, immediately my social media, my DM were on fire. Oh, what's Seb gonna say now? Oh, he took man. some shots at Matt Miazga going at Diego Linus. What's he gonna say now? Do we have to remind people what Sebastian Salazar said about this situation? First of Look all, it. we have to remind the people what Matt Miazga did to Diego Linus. Now, Matt Miazga, granted, he's 6'4", and Diego Linus is 5'6", so yes, that sort of makes sense. I wanna say, though, the moment Edson Alvarez came to protect uh, Diego Linus, Matt Miazga didn't want any piece of Edson Alvarez, by the way. I'm just gonna, yeah, see that? Well, he didn't want anything not, to do with Chani Pantas Beckenbauer. He's not an idiot. He's not going to get red carded. Uh, okay, but do you remember what Seb Salazar had to say? I, I do not. Well, I do not you, remember. If you don't remember, we're going to put it up for you. Here's Sebastian Salazar's comments on said situation. And we checked the mentions. Not surprised it was a U.S. men's national player who made a short joke on the soccer field. Obsession with height and size in coaching circles in this country is absurd. Some kids in the U.S. actually grow up thinking they have an advantage in soccer because they're tall. Imagine that. Where a lot of people called him like, Seb, come on, really? Well, what would Seb Salazar say now? About uh, I, don't, I don't know. He's, he's covering... <laughs> Minor league baseball. No, he's no, covering he's covering little league baseball. Um, do we have Sebastian Salazar? Oh. oh, oh, we we do. Well, know. let's take a listen, Sebi. What did you think of that? All right, Herc. Here I am at the Little League World Series, just trying to enjoy myself. And you want to bring up old tweets? But fine, let's discuss those old tweets because I was on the sideline when Matt Miazga did his famous "I'm taller than you." to Diego Linus. I didn't like it at the time. Why didn't I like it? Because I felt like only somebody who would come through the American development system would do that. A system that often prioritizes size and strength over skill. Hello, best players in the history of the world. Pelé, Maradona, Messi, all five foot seven. So when another player, who again came through the American development system, sorry if that hurts you, Herc, does the same thing in Julian Araujo, I'm not surprised. If there's any reason I'm surprised Julian chose to do it is because he's not that tall. He's 5'9", Herc, which you know is a little bit shorter than me. Uh, hold on. Sebi Salazar played college soccer. He came through the American system. Yeah, but he never made fun of anybody because of their height. <laughs> that's a very good First point. First of all, uh, so are you, are, you, are you cool with Sebi's No, I'm not cool with it. I'm, I'm cool with Sebi and his great work at the Little League World Series. No doubt, but no doubt. Come on, Seb, just own it. Just own it. You wanted to take a shot because he took a shot at your favorite player, Diego Lainez. It didn't work. And it's not going to work this time trying to take a shot at Julian Araujo because he played in the American system, who, by the way, is undecided where he will play and may end up playing for the Mexican national team. What will you say then? Not much. I will say this, though. When Matt Miazga pulled that on Diego Lainez, my reaction, and it's the exact same reaction, uh, reaction I had when I saw Julian doing that, that's fine. That's fine. Banter, right? Nothing plays banter. banter. Yeah, he's not punching anybody. He's not insulting anybody. Is Brian short? Yes, he is. Is Diego Lainez short? 
Yes, he is. I think that's the best part of it. Julian Araujo isn't necessarily tall. No. <laughs> Again, he's 5'9". I'm I'm 6'3". No, I'm 5'10". <laughs> I'm a soapbox. I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm 5'10", so let him play. It's fine. No big deal. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We now welcome on Football Americas from the LA Galaxy, Efrain Alvarez. Cali Classic this Friday. Galaxy versus San Jose Earthquakes. Me and Herc will have the call in Spanish, in Espanol, and ESPN Deportes. Efra, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, good. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for being here. Let me start with this. It's been a... It's been a rough patch, personally, for you guys with the Galaxy internally. Jonah lost his dad. Sebastian lost his sister, tragically. I just wonder, how has that impacted you guys inside the locker room? Well, it's impacted us a lot. You know, um, at the end of the day, they're part of our family. You know, here as in the Galaxy, we consider each other family. Um, Jonah lost his dad when we were in Mexico uh, before a match. Sebi lost his sister. I think... They told us after a match, so, you know, but here in the locker room, while we just try to cheer them up, you know, we tell them, like, this year's going to be for them. We tried to win champions for them this year. Every game we play, we play for them. Um, and, you know, it's hard because we can't say, I'm sorry, you know, for your loss or whatever, because at the end of the day, you don't want to hear that as a person. You know, you want you want to just feel, like, strong, you know, and the best way, I think, is just being there for them. And, I mean, every day we're there for them. Efra, on this show, we're big when it comes to the multicultural dual national scenario. Uh, let me ask you, how difficult or easy of a decision was it for you to choose Mexico over the U.S. men's national team? No, I, I always had like in mind, you know, I want always since I was a kid, I wanted to play for Mexico. It was always my dream, you know, and how I said, I always, how I said, you know, I want to follow my heart and I followed my heart. Were there any specific conversations with Greg Berhalter or Tata Martino on either side that tilted your decision in a certain favor? No, I talked to both. You know, they're both great people. Um, and no, I just said, you know, I don't want to get into controversy, but I just followed my heart, how he said, and I'm happy where I'm at right now, and I just want to give everything for Mexico. Uh, you already had your experience playing for the Mexican national team. It was a crazy summer for everyone. Um, how would you describe your experience during this summer playing the Gold Cup for Mexico? It was something awesome. You know, as a kid, you dream about playing for Mexico, first of all, you know. And I remember when they played the U.S. here in the Rose Bowl that, that uh, Gio chipped the goalie. And, you know, it was crazy. You know? And since then, I always like, I was like, wow, like, what would it be like being there, you know? And now being there is something like totally out of the world. You know, it's something that gives you like chills you can't describe it you know as a player it, it's the best was were, were there any mixed emotions uh now that mexico played the u.s twice in the summer both nation league final and then in las vegas for the gold cup final no there was no mixed emotions honestly um how i said like i was representing mexico and i always wanted to 
Um, and I was going to get ready to give my out to Mexico for Mexico, you know. Efra, at age 16, Slatan Ibrahimovic called you publicly. He said, you're the best talent in Major League Soccer by far. I've got two questions. One, 16 years old, what's going through your mind when you hear this? And two, are you the best talent in Major League Soccer? <laughs> well, when he said that, I was a kid, you know, so I didn't really, like, really pay attention to it. I was still having fun playing soccer. <laughs> I mean, you remember how it was, you know, I was, I didn't care about like physically anything, you know, so it was just having fun. But honestly, if someone like that says it, you know, it's something that now I take into pride and I try to show it every day, you know, I don't want to say I'm the best and I never want to like think I'm the best. So I always go out there every game, every practice and try to be the best. It's, it's not only to hear Zlatan say that by the way, you're still a kid. I mean, look at it. Yeah. You're still a kid. You don't, you don't have to say, when I, I remember when I was a kid. You're still a kid, my friend. Um, so when, when he, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, when he said that, he, he told that to the media. But was there ever one conversation that you had with Latin that really resonated with you? Was he giving you advice on how to handle yourself professionally? When he was here, he was helping me a lot, honestly. Uh, day by day, he would try to give me advice. He would invite me over to his house. He would, like, get me under his wing, you know? And still now, to date, since he left, we text almost a lot of, like, days, you know? Almost every day, we talk, and he asks me, how am I? And, like, I tell him, good, you know, and everything. He tries to give me advice. Sometimes he watches the games, and he tells me how I do and stuff. So he's still, like tells me advice, you know, and I always listen to him. So Slatan to this day is in constant communication with you. That, that's amazing. Hopefully you take that into account. I, I want, you spoke about advice that Slatan gives you. What advice would you give somebody like Julian Araujo, who's a teammate of yours in this big decision that he's got going on right now, whether he chooses Mexico or he chooses the United States men's national team? Well, personally, how I chose, you know, I followed my heart, you know, um, at the end of the day, it's his decision, you know, I, he, me as a team and as a friend, as a brother, you know, I'm going to support him, you know, and whatever he chooses, if he chooses Mexico, if he chooses USA, I'm going to support him. Hopefully he chooses Mexico, <laughs> but whatever he chooses, uh, I'll be happy for him, you know. Um, you just signed a new contract with the LA Galaxy. Congratulations. Always a big step. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I wonder, uh, where do you see your future? Because you obviously want to have success with your current team. But where do you see yourself, let's say, in a, two years, three years? Because uh, there were rumors that Chivas, the team was very interested in you. But I, I wonder if you also see Chivas as a destination or you're thinking in Europe for the next couple of years, for the next step in your career? So that, that's the plan, you know, I signed, thankfully for the, cl the club gave me a lot, you know, since I was small and I wanted to re-sign with them and luckily it happened. Um, but how, I sa how you say, you know, I want to focus here with Galaxy right now, try to win the championship and hopefully next year or in a year and a half or maybe even soon, you know, I want to go to play to Europe, you know, that's everyone's dream. And yes, I also want to play in Mexico, but my dream is to play in Europe. And obviously, once you consider that, you know that it's a huge fan base that always wonders, what is the player going to go next? Now that you have this experience of playing for the Mexican national team, but in your club, you have Javier Hernandez, Chicharito, who has a lot of experience in, uh, in that field. 
did he give you any advice before joining the Mexican national team on how to how to be a part of a national team like that? No, he gives me advice. You know, he's been through a lot. I mean, the best clubs in the world. Um, but he talks to me every day. You know, he gives advice not only to me to everyone in the team. But Jonah, Jonah. He talked to me a little bit more about it, you know, when we're in the plane. First one, I, well, because I got called into a camp, I remember in Austria with the, with the main team. And when we're in the plane, he was giving me like, oh, they're like this and so and so, you know. So he took me a little bit more into it. That's a big step. Hey, Efra, uh, it's great to talk to you. Cali Classic coming up this week on ESPN, ESPN2, obviously as well on ESPN Deportes. Always great to talk to you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you, guys. Hope you guys enjoy the Thanks, game tomorrow. We will. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Renato Ibarra, a big news coming out of America. The club has decided to add him to the roster after a year with Atlas. Uh, that was a loan from America to Atlas. And obviously, Renato Ibarra, last year he was charged after a domestic violence incident in Mexico City, was in police custody for seven days. Um, let's take a look at the timeline of the events, because then I want to ask you this question, if you understand why America decided to add him to the roster again. So let's go back to March 5th, 2020, taken into custody after a alleged domestic violence incident against his then pregnant wife. March 12th, he was released by the club after a judge sentenced him to preventive detention. July 3rd, 2020, he was signed by Atlas. He made 29 uh, appearances for the club, came back to America then after the loan ended. On April 5th, this year already, acquitted from domestic violence charges after reaching a settlement with the victim, his wife, and then recalled by America, and then August 16th, called up to the match day squad against Juarez. America won that match. He remained on the bench. So, all things considered, how do you evaluate, what do you think of the decision by the club to recall him and add him to the roster. Okay, let's let's give some context here. She retracted her statement. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just means he wasn't Correct. proved guilty of. Um, it's a tricky situation when it comes to Renato and his ability to play. But it's not a tricky situation, and nor does it get murky or cloudy when we look at the actions of Club America. When Club America says, this is unacceptable, when they came out with, with, with the press release saying, we will not stand for this. The club is bigger than this. The morals and values of this club are not for a player like Renato Ibarra. When they pretty much say that, and then they ship him off to Atlas and say, now you're somebody else's problem. Fine. He comes back, and now you bring out another press release saying, oh, he's been rehabilitated. Oh, his wife forgave him. Oh, well, you know, he's going to be a very important member of, of, our, of our family now. Like nothing happened. What happened to America is bigger than this. Either he is or he isn't. Either you stood by him the first time 
or you didn't. You can't just say right now because Leo Suarez is injured. We need a player. We're going to call him back up. If you presume to be a big club, like you said, act like it. Don't go, don't go back. Don't be contradictory on your original words. That is my biggest problem. The contradictory statements by the club. You cannot go out to the public a year ago and say, his actions do not represent our values, what we stand for. Because we all saw the clip. We all saw that video. And the moment the club says for the first time a year ago, that does not sit or fit our values, we're going to have to let him go. We all agreed with that decision. So now, fast forward a year, right? And, and, and we're sitting here talking about America meeting another player. He's still part of the club. He is under contract. He's yeah. making $1.5 million a year. Net. My yeah. only question for the club is, if you believe that his actions, his current situation, deems him, uh, he's now part of the family and the club, why wasn't he included in the roster in the first place? Why did you have to wait all this time? I understand the injury by Leo Suarez, but it says a lot that only because of that injury, now you're saying that you're okay with him. That is my biggest problem because it sends the wrong yeah. message. This is one of the most followed clubs, both in Mexico and in the U.S., and they're sending the wrong in message. In Latin America, that video in question, let's give context to the people out there, a very disturbing video that we will not show you. You can go and look up if you want. And where there's a domestic abuse altercation going on, and it's very evident how ugly the scene is. And you could understand Club America for wanting to disassociate themselves with that type of player, with that type of person. That's fine. Now, we can let the due process go and the court system handle their own. But you came out in a statement where, overwhelmingly, we will not stand for this. And now because, hey, guess what? We're not spending the same amount of money we used to. Guess what? We're in a pandemic. Guess what? Uh, we may need this player now. Guess what? Santiago Solari actually says, hey, I, I kind of want him. I think he's a good player. That's an also now, good point, yeah. Now things change. Now you want him? It's very contradictory. Yeah, I wonder. It doesn't sit well. I wonder who had the last call on this decision. I wonder if it was. We probably will never know if it was Santiago Baños, club's general manager, Santiago Solari, club's head coach, Emilio Azcárraga, club's owner, uh, big question marks, and I'm very disappointed, very disappointed that this happened, not only to Club America, that this happened in Mexican soccer. I don't know if we also have to question the league, because the league also has a code of conduct, and at some point they could have come out and say, regardless of what, what, what the club says, we have a code of conduct, and we're not going to allow this to go down. Listen, like this is the NFL, the teams don't have a choice. If from the get-go, the league is like, no, we have zero tolerance. La Liga on ESPN Plus, Saturday, great game. Atletic Club de Bilbao versus Barcelona. That's at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific on ESPN Plus. That is Saturday and Sunday. Levante hosting Real Madrid, 4 p.m. Eastern time, ESPN Plus. You don't have to sign up now because if you're watching the show, you already signed up for ESPN Plus. The podcast drops tomorrow. Don't miss it. And we'll be back on Monday with more on Football Americas. Is Eddie back on Monday? Uh, no, you're back. Oh, I'm back on Monday. Double duty, my oh, okay. friend. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm happy I'm happy to, to find out. MLS, LA Galaxy versus San Jose tomorrow night. Check out the Spanish channel. We'll be there. Check out the Spanish podcast. That's us. Nosotros. Ahí estamos. It's going to be muy bueno. Check it out. Herc, the whole crew, Football Americas. 
We'll see you on Monday. Seven, that was not working, man. It's not working.